Welcome to My Dog Ate My Book Report, a podcast where two weirdo 30-somethings take turns introducing each other to a formative book from childhood the other has never read. I'm Brandon, he, him. And I am Ren, uh, they, them. And this time we are talking about Sideways Stories from Wayside School by Lewis Sacker. I was amused that neither of our names showed up in this book. Well, there's only so many kids at Wayside, you know. There were so many names. Yeah. Uh, This one is a me pick. It's not technically a novel. It's a short story cycle, which I think is something we've like vaguely alluded to before, but not really talked about because none of our previous picks have been short story cycles. So a short story cycle is a collection of short stories that are interconnected in some way, but don't necessarily tell a single cohesive narrative. So things that like a collection of short stories that are all in the same like universe or something like that. In this case, the stories are all about the kids in the class on the top floor of Wayside School. The thing about Wayside School is... Just just so much. The thing about Wayside School is just so much. I, I, I think that, like, the energy level that we've started this episode with does not match the absolute, just, like, top-tier level of absurdity that this book is. It's very absurdist, yeah. And I'm not really sure why we didn't just come out swinging with weirdness, but, may, but I guess for me, I'm just still kind of like, what did I just read? I'm not really sure how to synopsize it because it's a short story cycle and each story in this one is pretty much on its own. They are all about characters at this school, uh, mostly the children in the class on the top floor. Now, I say class on the top floor because Wayside School itself, the builder read the plans wrong and instead of building a one-story school with 30 classrooms... He built a 30-story school with one classroom per floor. But he is very sorry. Sorry, I say floor. I should be saying story because, like, the structure of the entire thing is essentially a pun, right? Sideways Stories from Wayside School is about a school with 30 stories, one classroom per story. The book has 30 stories. It does have 30. I didn't even... Wow. There is some, like, bizarro brilliance that went into this book. I did not recall many particulars about this book. I remember that it was comedic in nature. It definitely was something I wanted us to read at this point because I felt like it was kind of one of the kinds of things that I read that we haven't really visited over the course of this podcast is things that were just like intentional comedies. Obviously we've talked about like uh, mixed up files is a very funny book in a sort of dry wit kind of way, but it's not, you wouldn't necessarily characterize that as a comedy, right? Sideways stories from wayside school is definitely written as a comedic thing. 
like the the humor is just built into its DNA in an intrinsic fashion. And mostly very absurdist humor. And I didn't remember how absurd it got immediately, even. Well, what's the what's the what's the basic gist synopsis whatever of of what we just read for our listeners in case they are coming into this episode having never never read this book, which I think would probably be a little out of context specifically for this one just because of how weird it is. Well, each story centers on a particular character, usually one of the students from the class, and they're a couple pages long and generally will focus on some kind of absurdist premise. Uh, for instance, how Todd always gets sent home on the kindergarten bus, no matter how hard he tries. Or how one of the kids is just a dead rat in a raincoat in a bunch of raincoats. Those aren't even the weird ones. Those aren't even the weird ones. I mean, it starts off just immediately with this, like, evil pointy-eared like demon teacher who tries to turn all of her students into food apples specifically sorry yeah some of the humor is kind of dark which which i think before we launch into this i i don't know exactly if this book should have no content warnings or lots of content warnings (laughs) because like as i was reading i was like oh some of these are body horror characters do die there is various kinds of cruelty to animals Although at least in one case, it's just a, it's a dead animal. It's a dead rat. It was already dead. We don't know how the rat died. It just wanted to go to school. Yeah. I, I have a question mark next to cannibalism. She was an apple at the time, so maybe it's fine. Gaslighting. Lots of the stories are gaslighty, right? There's no like body shaving and bullying and stuff. Uh, at least one character gets thrown out a window. <laughs> Defenestration. And it's all very goofy, but I don't want to just assume that that inherently trivializes some of the elements of it, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. It's goofy, but there was definitely some stuff where I was like, ooh. So, So there you have it. The first story in the book, as close to an inciting incident as we really have, is the story of Mrs. Gorf, the teacher who's horrible. Whenever any students act up in her class, she wiggles her ears and turns them into an apple. Doing anything remotely wrong at all, she'll turn you into an apple until she's turned the entire class into apples, basically. And and, and so after she's turned her entire class into apples and there's some implication that they just haven't been able to go home or anything, that they manage to sort of stage a coup and she accidentally turns herself into an apple and then gets eaten by another faculty member who doesn't realize the apple is, in fact, Mrs. Gorf. That's story number one. That takes place in about four pages. Yeah, and let me tell you, those four pages were a ride for me not knowing anything about what I was about to get into. I set the book down after that first story and just sat there like, huh, well then, okay. (laughs) I didn't actually take any notes uh, for this book because... For most of the experience of reading this book, my reactions were just, huh, okay. (laughs) There's a lot of just good, like, kind of witty writing here and there, as well as just, like, the premises themselves being kind of absurdist and silly. 
Our second story introduces us to Mrs. Jules, who is taking over for Mrs. Gorf since Mrs. Gorf has gone missing. I don't like Mrs. Jules. You might think that Mrs. Jules is going to like rock in there and be totally like a like a normal teacher who is going to find herself teaching this class of students whose last teacher could literally turn them into apples and did at very little provocation and that she would just be kind of like the straight man to all of the weirdness. That is not the case. She's kind of weird. At first, I thought she was maybe playing along with the absurdism and then I realized she just is also absurdist herself and she's the main source of like some of the stuff that you could definitely characterize as gaslighting yeah she's kind of awful it's just it's like it's super unclear if she does it on purpose or if she's just that out of touch with any sort of reality that exists outside of wayside school itself yeah I don't I don't get her she's very mean to like a specific couple of students also her teaching style makes no sense yeah like in in i think possibly my favorite story the story about joe so all the stories are just titled with the name of the character they're about so oh joe might be the one that i thought was my favorite too was accounting yes yes because joe is having trouble learning to count but the problem is he counts wrong, but he always gets the right number at the end. So like Mrs. Jules is like count to 10 and Joe counts 6, 8, 12, 1, 5, 2, 7, 11, 3, 10. And Mrs. Jules says, no, Joe, that's wrong. And Joe says, no, it isn't. I counted until I got to 10. <laughs> they go round and around about this. With Mrs. Jules like asking him to count to various numbers or like count a quantity of objects and every time he does he gets to the correct number in the correct amount of numbers but all the numbers that he goes through to get there are the wrong ones so mrs jules is continuously like nope that's wrong and joe's like i don't get it i got to the right number what what is up and then she's like joe one day you'll wake up and just be able to count i just don't get it said joe i'll never learn how to count Sure you will, Joe, said Mrs. Jules. One day it will just come to you. You'll wake up one morning and suddenly be able to count. Joe asked, if all I have to do is wake up, what am I going to school for? School just speeds things up, said Mrs. Jules. Without school, it might take another 70 years before you can wake up and are able to count. I did like the conclusion of that chapter a lot, which was just like he woke up and he suddenly knew exactly to the dot how many hairs he had on his head. And I just like shook my head. It was just like, what? What is this book? So you said that we hadn't read a ton of books like this for the podcast. And uh, I mean, my response to that was just because I didn't read stuff like this as a kid. So on my end of things, there's very little that I will have us read that could be classified as absurdist in any capacity. My mindset as a kid was very, I don't know, I don't want to call kid me like humorless or anything. Kid me was very fanciful and whimsical, but had very little patience for comedy. And I know that there were, there were a couple of other book series when we were young that were like comedy books for kids that I would pick up and immediately put down like 20 pages in because I was just like, 
I do not care about comedy. I do not care about absurd things. I don't know. I'm moving on. So we won't find anything like that on my my selection of things. And I can't I I don't have any explanation for why that is on my end. I think I just I don't know. There were a lot of little pockets of time when I was a kid that I just thought myself too serious for anything ridiculous. Just like comedy. Like what even is that? I won't go to the movies for something that's just a comedy. Like it has to be worth it. It has to be like interesting sci-fi. <laughs> I just wasn't a funny kid. I was constantly being told that I was weird. So I think that I shied away from things that just struck me as like deliberately weird. Maybe you should have attended Wayside School. <laughs> I probably would have fit in. A lot of the chapters start with a with a little like so-and-so child was tall with blah features, like some some little small description. I feel like my description would be like Ren was tall with big hands and big feet and a constantly befuddled expression or something. I don't know. <laughs> Sometimes they were puns like uh, BB. Her name is BB Gun. Are you fucking kidding me? No, her name is BB Gun. And she was the fastest draw in Mrs. Jules' class. She one of the first ones they actually like gave a last name to? Oh my god, you are right. Yeah, because it was a joke. I didn't notice. And my fastest draw, she was the person who could draw the fastest. Oh my god. She could draw a cat in less than 45 seconds. Oh my god. Some of this stuff went so over my head. I'm a full-ass adult. I, this, I, I failed at reading this book. It's a lot to take in. Your brain has to get acclimated to the strangeness of the universe in which wayside school exists where all of these things are just normal so, i yes i'm still wrapping my brain around this book as you can tell so i want to go back to you said that it was a a collection of what was the term you used it's called a short story cycle short story cycle i i had not been familiar with with that terminology but i I started the book thinking like, oh yes, each chapter is like its own story, but there are a lot of things that end up coming back and repeating, and I feel like it, it ultimately does tell like a fairly cohesive story about a bunch of weird people in this classroom. Right, and that's what makes it a short story cycle versus just like a collection of short stories, because they do have that interconnectivity. They're still not exactly like a plot that you can say specifically develops over the course of the whole thing. Some of the other Wayside School books, um, I think, do have a slightly more identifiable through line plot or something that is in some way setting up and getting resolved over the course of these stories. It is more just kind of painting a picture of this whole place. And you do see a lot of characters appearing in other character stories because they're all kids in the same class. So... You get those interconnectedness things, but it's it's not it's not like the story of how Mrs. Jules came to replace Mrs. Gorf and through like the power of friendship or something learned to exist in Wayside School. She was just as weird as they were from the get go. True. And the students had to spend an entire chapter convincing her that they were actually human children and not monkeys. Yeah. To which she says, and I mean, I think this is a excellent nugget of wisdom. This is probably why she's a teacher. Do monkeys know that they are monkeys? <laughs> it's a good question. Pretty much every story will mention some other characters 
who may have had a story by the time you get there or may not. Some definitely recur more than others. I think Todd is maybe the most recurring character because Todd's thing is that... So this, this was bizarre to me. I don't know if maybe this is a thing that happened at any school you were at. At Wayside, the kindergarten bus goes home earlier than the rest of the school kids by a couple hours. And in Mrs. Jules's class, if you got in trouble three times during the day, you would be sent home early on the kindergarten bus. And this is a mechanism that is mentioned throughout the uh, throughout the stories, but most specifically with Todd, because Todd manages to get in trouble so often that he goes home on the kindergarten bus every day. Even when he doesn't do anything, as as we're told, he just always got caught. And that's what his story is about. But like throughout the stories that come later, there's other just aside mentions of something totally else is happening. And then Todd got sent home on the kindergarten bus. I, I'd never heard of such a thing as like sending a kid home early. I'd never heard of that either. I am to this day not entirely sure if that's a completely made-up mechanism or if that's a thing that exists somewhere. Oh, yeah, we should do the the personal story section of this. I don't have much personal story, actually. This is just another one where, like with the Egypt game, I actually found um, the sequel, Wayside School is Falling Down, first. And I just found it on, like, one of the shelves in my classroom, I think third grade classroom where there were a bunch of books for like um, accelerated reader program that we could just kind of like check out. They weren't in the library. They were in the classroom, but we could borrow them. And I was just like, wow, I'd like to know what it means that a school is falling down. That sounds compelling. (laughs) And so I read that one and then I sought out the uh, others. Does that one take place in the same classroom or is it a different classroom in this strange school? I think all of them are the same classroom and it involve essentially the same characters, I believe. And I think they are all um, story cycles with 30 stories. Though, like I said, I believe some of the other ones occasionally have a little more of a narrative through line in some of the stories where there's something happening specifically connecting some of the stories together beyond just by association and and, and that that was that that that's the story (laughs) is this something that you like reread a bunch of times or no i don't think i reread any of them ever i think this is the only this is the first and only time i've reread any of the wayside school books but it was fun going back it is even weirder than i recall and there are definitely jokes that i didn't get like i don't think i understood the 30 stories thing I was, of course, delighted by the time we got to chapter 19. Story 19, rather. Yes. Sorry. Story 19. Because at Wayside School, yes, it purportedly is a 30-story school. Because it was supposed to be a one-story school with 30 classrooms. But story nine, it doesn't have a 19th story. That is purportedly where Mrs. Zarv's class is. But... There is no 19th story. There is no Mrs. Zarves. And we hear about this early on, I think, in Calvin's story, which is also delightful, because he's asked to take a note to Mrs. Zarves, and he wanders around trying to figure out what to do because, A, Mrs. Jules didn't actually give him a note, but acted like she did, 
And B, Mrs. Zarves doesn't exist because the 19th story doesn't exist. Lewis, the yard teacher, when, when Calvin has wandered around trying to figure out what to do about it, he asks Lewis, and Lewis says it's very simple. You are not supposed to take no notes to no teachers. You already haven't done it. <laughs> Somewhat later, when we reach the 19th story in the book, uh, we get the shortest story. There is no Miss Zarves. There is no 19th story. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, that I was I was tickled by that. Good stuff. Good job, Lewis. Sahar? Sakar? Sacker. 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 Got it in three. <laughs> Yeah, but um, I found a short bit of audio of Lewis Sacker mentioning how his own name is pronounced, and he says that Sacker rhymes with cracker. Mm -hmm. One of the stories that I was the most like engaged by was uh, chapter, er, oh, sorry, story eight, uh, Myron, who is the best class president. And that was just because this story like was a, a dynamic tale of this kid who everyone was depending on. Who then saved a dog named Pugsy. And his job as class president was to turn on the lights in the morning. Otherwise, if he showed up late, which he did, everyone was just sitting in the dark and hadn't started class yet. And I was just like, what? Doesn't everyone know how to turn on? Okay, I'm very confused. But that had a had a gripping tale of a dog getting hit by a car. And it was sad. and But everything was okay because he carried him to the vet. And oh, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. <laughs> Right after that one, story number nine uh, about Mauritia is freaking weird. Like, yeah, the story content itself is freaking weird. But the like first paragraph where it talks about how she keeps ice cream in her desk. And I'm just like, ew, <laughs> that's gross and going to melt. And are these desks like magically refrigerated? I'm very confused. Yeah, but... Mauricia has, like, a self-loathing problem, basically. Because, like, everybody likes Mauricia, but Mauricia thinks that everything is awful that isn't ice cream, basically. And no matter how much people would, like, fawn over her, she just didn't think that, you know, she was all that worth liking. And so Mrs. Jules starts to bring in ice cream flavored as each of the other students in class, um, including Mauricia herself. And so she teaches... Mauricia to like herself by giving Mauricia Mauricia flavored ice cream. I, I quote, everybody liked Mauricia and Mauricia liked everybody. They all tasted so good. How does the teacher know what the kids taste like? How do you cook something that tastes like a specific person? It doesn't make any sense. These are excellent questions that nobody knows the answer to, I have to assume. Maybe Lewis Sacker does. Uh, so, so a big spoiler alert for the like end of the book or whatever is that the the very first like evil demon teacher that they have comes back as a ghost at the end, and I I was not expecting that because for some reason throughout reading this bunch of absurdities 
the idea that there were ghosts canon in this world still hadn't occurred to me to be a possibility. So ghost teacher shows up and I'm just like, what? Wait a minute. Why was I surprised? (laughs) Oh, you know what story I really liked? I forget the name of the student, but uh, it might have been Jenny. One of the students shows up late and nobody's there. And the entire story is about her being grilled by these like men in black guys who show up into this empty classroom and interrogate her as to why she's there and where everyone else is. And I'm sitting there this whole time, like reading this chapter, like, wait a minute, is is there like some sort of like government experiment or something going on with this school? Like, what is it? What is happening? Why are these like agents here? And then the end of the chapter, the, the like creepy government agent guy is like, all right, you can go home. And next time, don't come to school on Saturday. And I'm just like, but okay, well, that answers why nobody was there. But that just introduces a whole bunch of other questions about this world. Why are there creepy government agents at the school on a Saturday monitoring why people are there and interrogating them? Like, what is the story behind that? So that's the one that made me think the most, I think, was just, what is with these guys? Yeah, it it does uh, beg some questions that are not answered or ever again addressed, at least in this book. No. Oh, no, I'm intrigued. I, I don't remember if that gag ever comes back in any other books. I just don't remember that if it doesn't either, so. I don't know if I would have liked this if I read this at the age that it, it's meant to be read at. I'm trying to think of some of the other examples of books that I picked up and then put down immediately. And I feel like, is there some book called like My Teacher is an Alien or something like that? I, or like My Teacher is a blah, like like stuff like that. I think the most absurd type thing that I read around that age that I thought was cute enough to like keep going was Bonicula. Oh yeah, classic. But even then, I, I kind of like rolled my eyes a lot at the disbelief it was asking me to suspend that seems weird i I guess i would have assumed that a a bunny who is a vampire would have broken through your your shielding i guess my 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 cold shell of angst and ennui yeah well the bunny also has angst and ennui because it's a vampire (laughs) i never understood manicula i was baffled by it Speaking of animals, I also, uh, I liked Damien's story. Which was the one where Mrs. Jules was like, hey, Damien, go go ask Lewis if, Lewis is the art teacher. She's like, Damien, go ask Lewis if he wants to watch a movie with us. And Damien goes down and, and Lewis, the art teacher, is as the name implies, the guy who kind of like watches over classes when they're outside on recess. So he's at the ground level. He's 30 floors down. And Damien goes down and he's like, Lewis, you want to watch a movie with us? And Lewis was like, I don't know. What's it called? And then Damien runs back upstairs and is like, what's it called? And Mrs. Jules is like, it's called Turtles. And Damien goes back downstairs, tells Lewis. And Lewis is like, well, what's it about? 
Then he goes back upstairs. <laughs> Mrs. Jules is like, it's about turtles. He goes back downstairs. And Lewis is like, I don't really like turtles, so thanks anyway. I was exhausted after reading that story. Yeah, that one that one gave me a good giggle. There were a few stories that were kind of darkly comic in a way similar to the first story, the Mrs. Gore story, of some of the kids in class who are kind of assholes getting weird comeuppance to some degree. Uh, like Terrence, who is an awful sport and tends to like try to join kickball games only to kick the ball over the fence Mm -hmm. just to kind of be an asshole. And that culminates in Lewis kicking Terrence over the fence. (laughs) That's right. So there are some of those. Nobody gets eaten as an apple after Mrs. Gorf, but some, some of the kids who are just not, not very nice learn some lessons. Well, suffer some comeuppance and maybe learn some lessons. We don't necessarily get confirmation one way or the other if they really internalize that. So, who who wrote this? What is his deal? Why is he so weird? That's a, that's a good question. I don't know. <laughs> I know why he's weird. I, I know who he is. Uh, so this is by the aforementioned Lewis Sacker. He was born in 1954. While he was at UC Berkeley, majoring in economics, he heard that a local elementary school called Hillside Elementary was looking for teacher's aides. They were short on teacher's aides. And that being a teacher's aide came with three college credits. So he decided to take that because it was three college credits, which, as he says, was a pretty good deal. College credits, no homework, no term papers, no tests. All I had to do was help out in a second slash third grade class at Hillside Elementary School. While there, he also was the noontime supervisor and became known as Lewis the Yard Teacher. <laughs> and uh, he, he says that that whole thing was a life-changing experience. And so after he graduated in 1976 with his economics degree, he started writing Sideways Stories from Wayside School, uh, which took about nine months. Wayside was you know, loosely based on Hillside. A lot of the characters' names were kids that he knew at at hillside although he says that otherwise despite that and despite lewis the yard teacher in the book clearly being to some degree a self-insert up to and including the fact that lewis in the 30th story of the book is like if you haven't figured it out yet i'm the one who wrote the book the sacker says that there's not a lot like literally autobiographical in here the the kids it sounds like aren't necessarily patterned super closely on their namesakes it was just something that kind of that experience had inspired him to do uh, that and and being on sort of an absurdist kick in his own reading and stuff the book was not an immediate success it had a pretty limited distribution sacker continued to write children's books while going to law school and then getting getting a law degree and doing some part-time law work but by 1989 he was able to just go author for full-time although he didn't like immediately go to do more wayside stuff a lot of his stuff in the 80s was other things probably most famously there's a boy in the girl's bathroom that's when i i was assigned actually i think after i'd read wayside school it is a more traditional children's novel and he's continued to write ever since probably his best known work now is Holes, which won the 1998 Newbery and was adapted into a theatrical film starring Shia LaBeouf in 2003. 
Oh, actual cannibal? Yeah. I think it was before he was an actual cannibal, but yeah. But yeah, he's written a lot of other stuff. Actually, I... I was surprised-ish to learn... There's a series that I've been waffling over whether I want to try and track some down because I read several of them and I was like, maybe one of these would make sense. It was the Marvin Red Post series, which were very, to my memory, humdrum but fine stories of this kid in school. They kind of struck me as similar to like Doug in that they weren't inherently fantastical or whatever. They were just kind of like these vaguely sort of comic incidents in a kid's life. And I could not remember for the life of me who wrote those and hadn't looked it up yet, but it was Lewis Sacker also. Oh. <laughs> and I don't... I think I probably read some of those before I read Wayside. I don't remember understanding or recognizing that it was the same author. I'm not sure that I was all that tuned into who was writing things that I was reading at that age. I think I mostly went for titles. Sackers returned to Wayside on numerous occasions. The first sequel was 1989's Wayside School is Falling Down, which is the one I actually read first. It's not a big deal to read them out of order because they don't necessarily have like a lot of continuity, right? And a couple books in the 90s, Sideways Arithmetic from Wayside School, and more Sideways Arithmetic, from Wayside School, both books I encountered, but didn't quite grok because they have a lot of absurdist math and logic problems in them, and I could not wrap my head around them at that age. I'm curious to check them out now because I wonder I wonder if I would just understand or if I would look at them and be like, I don't know. I just remember that, like, in Sideways Arithmetic, it would be things like, you know, a, a math problem would be like one word plus another word, and you'd have to figure out what word it equals. And I just didn't understand how to even begin. Oh. I, I was like, that's just that's just nonsense. I don't know what that means. Huh. Wayside School Gets a Little Stranger in 1995 was back to normal-ish. <laughs> normal in, in quotes. Yeah. It, well, it wasn't full of math problems anymore. And then, actually, only a few years ago, after a... 25-year hiatus from Wayside. Sacker wrote Wayside School Beneath the Cloud of Doom, which released in 2020. I I didn't see like a lot of like really intriguing history going on here. Uh, It seems like it was a pretty straight shot from worked with kids, liked it surprisingly, kind of liked absurdist stuff. And so he just put all those things together and here we are. In retrospect, I've actually possibly read more of Sacker's stuff than any other like children's literature author which I didn't realize until I was doing some of this research I think this is almost certainly the first Sacker piece of anything I've I've ever read I I knew of the existence of holes only because I knew it was a movie but I also have not seen the movie yeah, I've not read Holes because it was a little after my time, I guess. Coming out in 1998, I was kind of... By then, I had moved on to, you know, quote, adult novels mainly. I did see the movie. I liked it. I don't remember anything else about it, really. Just that I had kind of positive regard for it. Uh, I, I was assigned There's a Boy in the Girl's Bathroom for fifth grade, I think. And I remember liking that. I don't super remember what the plot was. 
So I mean, we have to blame Lewis Sacker for like turfs. <laughs> uh, well, actually, like I said, I, I've been thinking about whether or not I want to put a Marvin Redpost book on our list eventually because I read quite a few of them when I was second to third grade, probably a little before I read Wayside. And it was a series that had a number of different books in it. And I, I know I read several of them. I know I reread a few of them because they were relatively short reads even then. The one that I think would be like the front runner for doing on the podcast is called Marvin Redpost. Is he a girl? Question mark. And I remember that the premise of that one is that Marvin, here's if you can manage to kiss your elbow, you'll turn into a girl. Okay. <laughs> and he attempts this. And, like, kind of accidentally achieves it and then spins the book, like, worried he's going to transform into a girl or something. And I'm very curious to go back to it and see if that's awful or queer. Mm. Right? Like, yeah. it could go either way. And I know I read that book at least a couple times. And I just don't remember what sort of the overall tone was. Those books, as far as I recall, didn't have any actual fantastical elements. But very much more, I, I think, in my memory about anxieties that you have growing up, learning how kind of the world works and experiencing some things for the first time as far as sometimes major, major life decisions or, you know I, know, I know one of them deals with the death of a pet. I'm curious to like see if that one is, is good, bad, or neutral. Mm. There was actually a brief flirtation with gender, at least, in this book right because uh there's the story of nancy and mac who trade names mm, right right yeah it was more about like like the two characters that wanted to adhere to their gender roles because their names were not necessarily names that were associated with their gender yeah i i wouldn't i wouldn't say that it's a queer story but it does touch on the fact that gender roles exist i guess yeah I don't think it came down on, like, be what you're supposed to be or whatever. A lot of these stories ultimately have kind of a lesson, even if it's delivered in a absurdist package, right? What would the lesson be for any of this stuff? <laughs> Try to be good, but you're still going to get punished anyway. <laughs> they don't all have lessons. Do this and you get punched over a fence. Well, I mean, that's a lesson. If you be an asshole, you're going to get punted over a fence. So don't be an asshole. BB's story, the whole thing about being the fastest draw. Well, the whole thing is that, like, BB draws really fast. And one of the other students, I think it's Calvin, just decides that when they're doing, like, art time, he's just not even going to bother. He's just going to help BB. He's going to, like, make sure that he passes BB new pieces of paper and crayons and stuff whenever she needs them. So, so as to make her mass producing of cat pictures as smooth as possible but when he draws he's like i can I, I can only draw one cat in the time that bb can do 70 cat but like his cat looks better and he doesn't see that but mrs jules is like sometimes it's not about how many you have it's how good they are there's just a little a little bit of a parable about like being fixated on quantity but losing sight of quality and i mean i think we all could use a reminder that you can't bring no notes to no teachers oh oh and here's I highlighted this one because I thought it was an important reminder. Powerfully makes me feel connected to others that my experience is not solitary and, and I'm the only one who feels the way that I do. And that line is delivered by Didi. Everybody's been turned into an apple. It's part of growing up.
So questions from my end. The version of the book I read is the version that I was able to just go get at a bookstore, you know, here in 2023. Mm -hmm. And it ultimately looks to me like a fairly modern art style. The illustrations inside and the cover. So I was curious what version you read if you had illustrations. And also if you had any insights about past versions, illustrations. Specifically, the thing I wanted to note was that the illustrations internally about each character are actually pretty diverse. I'd say at least half of these students are people of color, which I think is great. But as somebody who was a child in the 90s, most things were not that way. So I assume this is a new a new addition to things. Also, I do have an illustration gripe. I'll send you the picture of the cover that I have, but Wayside School, this classroom where all of these stories take place, most of these stories take place, is on the 30th floor. However, the cover of my book shows these stories taking place on the topmost floor and the second to topmost floor, which bothered me. Well, that just seems incorrect. I'll show you. And we'll link this this photo in our note. There have been numerous covers so yes, so this is the cover that I, I read, and as you can see, it's a little annoying. Oh yeah, I I can show you the cover of the one I have, Kindle cover, so I assume the most recent one. There, there's been a number of illustrators over the course of different editions. Oh, I don't like the illustrations in the one that you're reading. I have no recollection of what the cover or internal illustration looked like of the edition that I first encountered. It just didn't leave an impression on me. But yeah, that's that's sideways toys from Wayside School. Yeah, that was that was a ride for sure. Kind of a little bit of of lighter fare, weird lighter fare. So, I mean, ish, as in yes, it was a short, brief read that was not full of any complex words. I wouldn't say some of the stuff was particularly light though. There was the girl that neglected her cat and starved it and then said that she was going to kill it. And, you know, the harrowing chapter of the dog getting hit by a car. You know, the first chapter somebody gets eaten. There's, there's, there's stuff in here. Yeah, it's bizarre. And some of it is kind of hard to, like, wrap your head around in some ways. The, the trying to take a note to Mrs. Arv's class started to get sort of weird and existential. All that said, I enjoyed it a lot. I I blew through it pretty fast, which is partially because of how easy it was to read, but also partially because, I don't know, it was just... Compelling may not be the right word, but each story is only, like, four pages max. Yeah. So you just blow through them, and you, you, get, you get this really quick setup development payoff of, like, each jokey situation and then it's just kind of like oh i want to see what the next kid is about like what's the next thing about you know i was kind of neutral to amused by it i like puns well i didn't notice the one pun <laughs> sometimes i'm just too dense for content and i don't enjoy it as much as i could have had i noticed things Incidents like that make me think, you're not very smart, are you? Well, if it makes you feel any better, 
I didn't get a lot of the jokes when I read this book in the first place, so... Yes, but I'm a full-ass adult in my 30s now. It's understandable for a tiny child not to get it. I guess that tracks. <laughs> the whole premise of this of this podcast. We are full-ass adults reading these things. We rate things on a giant peaches scale of 1 to 5, or half to 5, maybe. Or 0 to 5, I don't know. We haven't given a 0 yet, but who knows. I think on this one, I'm at like 3.5. I enjoyed reading it. I had fun with it. There were some parts that I thought were genuinely like super clever in a way that I kind of admired that made some of the jokes work for me as an adult arguably better than they probably worked for me as a kid i do think this is one of those things that has it has a lot of stuff that kids would get and find funny it also has some stuff that kids probably wouldn't get but their parents might Mm. it doesn't have an overall like plot or story kind of thing to like really get me invested or make me super attached to a particular character's like inner life or whatever it's not that kind of book so it doesn't necessarily reach the heights of some stuff like um mixed up files or or whatever that has that extra substance but for what it is i think it's super charming and fun i guess you know i I do have one more thing that i'm very curious about okay and this is absolutely me reading way deeper into this than I think probably Sacrament Todd. Todd is the kid who, despite trying his very best to be good, always ends up getting booted out of class and sent home early for, you know, discipline reasons. To the point where he just sort of resigns himself, like, it's gonna happen. This teacher doesn't like me, he's gonna send me home. In my version, the illustration depicts Todd as black. And as a result, I ended up kind of reading this chapter as a little bit of a statement of race relations in this country, where, you know, in a lot of situations, try as you might to always do the right thing and you are going to get persecuted anyway. And I imagine it's very possible that this character wasn't black in the original. Who knows? I'm going to go. I'm going to look because I'm very curious. But um, as a result of the illustrator of this version choosing to make Todd black, that's how I ended up reading that chapter. You know, just sort of sitting there thinking like, wow, this is pretty insightful Mm -hmm. in a in a way that doesn't ever actually say it out loud, but like feels insightful. Yeah, I don't know. My version doesn't have an illustration of Todd, so I I couldn't tell you. It illustrates the criminals, the, the robbers who like rob the classroom in todd's story but not todd yeah and that's that's just it like there's criminals that come into the classroom and todd like stops the robbery and still gets in trouble and is sent home yeah so in answer to your question i think that what i'm gonna do is a little little off the beaten path of our rating system i'm gonna give it three giant peaches and an apple for having chapter 19 be empty (laughs) genuinely i just think that like chapter 19 not being a story is excellent yeah i have vague memories of one of the other books doing things with that and i'm not sure if they actually happened (laughs) but i kind of want to find out it's just very surreal just the whole the whole school seems to think that miss Zarves exists except that she doesn't (laughs) <laughs> everybody knows she doesn't exist, but everybody also kind of acts like she does. Maybe Miss Zarves knows knows those MIBs. Oh, oh, yeah. Hmm. There's stuff going on here. <laughs> I was reading a an article that I'll make sure to link in the show notes. That I think it was from the Washington Post about Wayside School Beneath the Cloud of Doom, the the book that came out in 2020. 
and was, you know, the first wayside book that Sacker had written in 25 years. And some question about, like, how much is this in the, in the decision to return to this series maybe a reflection on the state of the world today? And he was like, it is kind of inspired by some of the stuff going on and the, the looming threat of things like climate change. And he said, and I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but so, so this is a paraphrase, but he said, I don't know that I'm feeling very hopeful right now, but I think it's important for kids to have hope. And I think that's a very positive sentiment that I think I kind of agree with, you know. And it makes me kind of curious to check that one out in particular and see sort of how that cultural context has maybe affected the return to Wayside School. So, what uh, are we going to be reading next time? Well... You chose a funny book, and so I went looking at my pile of, you know, my future choices, and I grabbed what I think is probably the, the funniest, although funny is kind of a stretch. We are gonna be reading a book called Magic Kingdom for Sale Sold by Terry Brooks. Has nothing to do with his Shannara series. Cough, cough. I mean, Lord of the Rings... 2.0. It's it's a different series, a shorter lived series that he wrote about. Gosh, you know, I think I very recently found out about the genre isekai. It's an isekai. A guy from regular old world buys a castle in a fantasy world and gets transported there. It's an isekai. There we go. Baby's first isekai. You know, despite having read quite a bit of fantasy and especially like once I was in middle school and high school being around a lot of people who also were, were big sci-fi fantasy readers um, of various ages. I've just somehow never read a Terry Brooks book. Don't get your hopes up too high about quality of writing. I, I know that I loved it when I was 12 or however old I was when I read it, but I'm, I'm very intrigued about going back and yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. It'll be interesting. Maybe. And I'll get my book report is hosted and produced by us, Rin and Brandon. The music used in this podcast was licensed by Epidemic Sound, and the transcripts were generated by otter.ai. Our icon image was illustrated by Cindy Lau. Have a question or comment for the team? You can find us on our website, which links to all of our socials at dogatemybookreport.blueberry.net. Blueberry does not have any E's. Or by emailing at dogatemybookreport at gmail. Hopefully we'll have, like, a blue sky by then. We would be super excited to know what books you loved growing up. Also, did your school have a 19th story? <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs>